in all of time, in all of history, man has never created one single living cell. Yet your body does that millions to billions of times a day. That's where I put my face. So I try to encourage people. I want them to know that, listen, that there's a doctor 24 seven on the clock making chemicals, making hormones, detoxing you. So yeah, compared to the smartest person you know or the greatest doctor you think, I'm just saying that level of intelligence is laughable compared to the wisdom that is in you right now, animating you so you can even hear me say this. If I can help you understand the magnificence of the body that God gave you, your fear of disease drops significantly. Your fear of a fever drops significantly because you realize that you're designed to heal. So I'm Dr. Ben Rawl. Welcome to Design to Heal. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Design to Heal. Man, we are going to have a, I think we're going to live up to our, our title of this show today when we talk about healing. Uh, I think anytime we talk about health and healing, oftentimes it conjures up just like the most extreme situations, um, you know, heart attacks or cancer or just, you know, we, we these, these um, extreme uh, examples. Now, yes, on this show, we talk a lot about uh, wellness and prevention. That's certainly part of our world. But then sometimes we, we have super interesting guests that have a, a remarkable story to tell. And it's a story that can only be told um, because of what they've gone through. All right. That's why, uh, you know, there's just certain things I can't talk about because it hasn't been my experience. So we bring people on that can talk about. And we have one of those people with us today. Uh, our guest today is the host of a great podcast called The Heart Chamber. And she'll probably tell us a little bit more about that today. She also recently had her TEDx talk, uh, uh, has been made uh, a public here. It's called Practice. Just the title of this is amazing um, Practicing Dying for Living. And I think uh, just even hearing a sentence like that, I think we, we realize we're talking to a pretty special uh, a guest today. So our guest today is Boots Knighton, and we are excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, Boots. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Rollins, for that lovely uh, introduction. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about you. Um, and, I'm, and then we'll just kind of like, what's your little bit of your backstory? What's a little bit of your, just your life and your history? Just learn a little bit about you, and then we'll dive into some of your, your, uh, your journey, your story. Yes. So I was born on the coast of North Carolina, a beautiful little town often described as the prettiest town in the Southeast, mm -hmm. Edenton, North Carolina. And I was raised on the water, on the intercoastal waterway there. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing way to grow up, just being connected to the ecosystem there the Carolinas are so special, um, but they were too flat. And so I journeyed out West when I was 19 during a break from college to do a 28 day backpacking course through the Wind River Range of Wyoming. And that's how I ultimately ended up moving to Wyoming in 2001. And now I live just over the border in Victor, Idaho. And I've been over here. Um, I've been out West since 2001. Beautiful. We were just in um, a few months ago, a friend had uh, welcomed us out to Yellowstone and we were out there just experiencing some mm -hmm. of that. And I'm from South Dakota originally. So I hear you when you say too flat. I was from, I always say the ugly side of South Dakota, sometimes the flat part, <laughs> not the beautiful black hills of South Dakota, a whole different story out there. Very beautiful. So, so you've always been a, a, a nature lover uh, oh, boots yes. or just outside, need to be outside. Um, active, Always. obviously. I think that's one of the things that's interesting about your story. It's going to probably surprise some people because 
you're a pretty, you know, quote, air quotes, healthy, active, doing things. We're similar ages. So, you know, we probably don't really think about, when we think about heart problems, right, we think about, generally speaking, although recently there's been more attention to heart issues than we've had in the last, you know, many decades, um, you know, just with seemingly younger people dying of heart attacks. So you, it's it certainly became more talked about in the last time than, than maybe ever before, but we still, I think, often think, oh, it's for older people or something like that. So do you mind telling us a little bit about some of your, uh, what, what happened to you? <laughs> what happened to you? I don't know how else yeah, to get I into it, it's... but it's just kind of like, here we go. <laughs> well, it's a game of whack-a-mole. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I refer to it because I, so my heart made itself known to me that I could not just take it for granted in 2020. Mm. But I say a game of whack-a-mole because I hit my head in 2018 on, I was a ski instructor at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort and I sustained a really bad concussion and had a really rough healing journey from that. And so when I started experiencing breathlessness in 2020 and was passing out on the ski lift, um, I, we just thought it was my brain and maybe causing dysautonomia or something like that. But on June 26, 2020, I was mountain biking with my husband and the day before I had been having chest pain and pain down my left arm and I didn't say anything to him. I just thought it was really bad stress. Um, and but deep down, I felt like something was really wrong because mm. I'm actually a wilderness first responder mm. and I didn't listen to my training and my intuition. I just kept pushing forward because who would think that I would have a heart issue. Mm. So this next day when we're mountain biking, I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I was pushing up a hill when normally I would be riding up the hill. And my husband, Jason, was like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. And I'm sweating. I'm nauseous. I, my, I feel like an elephant's on my chest. And I can't, like, my left arm is absolutely killing me. And I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. And he's panicking. And yeah. I'm like, well, I'm going to finish the ride. <laughs> and we're, like, in the back country of, uh, the big hole range, which is the mountain range just to the West of the Tetons. Okay. It's what makes Teton Valley, Teton Valley. And, um, I, we were almost to the downhill part, the fun part. And I was like, I'm going to ride this downhill part. And mm. I finished the mountain bike ride because that's just who I am. And like refused to go to the ER. Mm. He calls a doctor friend who finally like convinces me to go mm. And they did not know what to do with me when they, when I rolled into the ER, because here I am the most fit of my life. I'm the most fit I've ever been 42 years old. Yeah. And it just made no sense. And I went through the, I would, for the whole next month, I proceeded to go through so much medical gaslighting and having to mm. beg my local cardiologist to do all this testing and he said, well, I'm going to go start looking for all these different congenital defects. And he found three of them. And he still said, I only had anxiety. Mm. 
it was amazing. Like I started to really question my sanity, Mm -hmm. but I was reading all my reports as they came in on my portal and it said bicuspid valve. It said myocardial bridging of three different arteries. It said all my coronary arteries were undersized. Mm -hmm. And yet he kept brushing me off and saying, I just needed to see a therapist, but I already had a therapist and I was already on anxiety medicine and knew this wasn't anxiety. Boots, were they saying, I mean, I'm just so, you know, I think again, it's, 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 it's your journey. And so there's uniquenesses just to that. But as we, you know, as a listening audience, uh, that's just trying to imagine somewhat being in their, in your shoes. And there's a lot of pieces to this story. Of course, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of uh, the traditional healthcare model, Partly because of things you're describing, right? Just you know, yep. we've we all have heard these stories, unfortunately, and 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 many times they don't have uh, happy endings uh, like yours or or happier endings. But I would say, you know, I always try to encourage people; they have to be their own advocate. Um, I know that mm-hmm. people have expertise. I know that people have training, and I respect that, and I can understand that. But they don't have a they don't have a, you know. you know, tyrannical control of my life, right? It's still my health. It's still my my life. And, you know, and so, you know, I, I, my mother-in-law was, had a similar scenario with breast cancer and this is, you know, 30 years ago, but she was brushed off. And this was certainly even, it was even worse back then or just male dominated healthcare. And it was, you know, oh, you're just making it up. Wouldn't believe her. And she was so insistent until she was, you know, and then lo and behold, she actually did have breast cancer. So that whether you want to call that intuition or, or, um, you know, divine intervention. I don't know the word that people use, but you know, you, I always tell people you're your greatest doctor, you know, when something's not right. Um, and Mm -hmm. I often say that about your children. I think parents have that with their kids. You're the best pediatrician for your kids. You just know. Now that doesn't mean that you have every answer, but frankly, nobody has every answer. Okay. And so, um, but we can be prudent and we can use the brains God gave us a little bit. So you're, you're, you're seeing this. And then, um, was it what basically were they brushing you off because you just, you just didn't look the part. You're just, you're young, you're fit, you're healthy. So, you know, that's not it, you know, and then they just said it's in your head, metaphor, you know, like, like you often hear you, people don't think you still hear that, but people still say that they don't say it quite like that, but they say, Hey, it's anxiety. Hey, it's stress, but saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, was that your experience? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yes. I, I do think that I experienced some, uh, I don't know. Prejudice isn't the mm-hmm. right word, but Sexist yeah, or I, 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 didn't, know. I didn't fit the part and, 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 to def- in defense of my cardiologist yeah. a little bit, since he can't be here to defend himself, sure. my bicuspid valve is okay. Mm. So that just happened to be one okay. of the things they found. And so that was just a shock in and of itself. And I, the thing with myocardial bridging, which is what I ultimately ended up having open heart surgery for, um, it, it isn't a problem until it is. Mm. And what I mean by that, so to explain to your audience yeah. what myocardial bridging is, it's when, so in utero, when I was forming, um, when any baby is forming in utero, your coronary arteries should be on the outside of the heart muscle and not trapped in it. Mm. And so what happened with me was my LAD, which is your widowmaker artery right, and right. the main artery, right? Um, it got trapped in my heart muscle and actually tunneled pretty deep into the heart muscle. And then on the backside of my heart, my LCX um, was also tunneled into the heart muscle for quite a long distance. And what I mean by that is I think it was well over five centimeters, Mm. which is quite a bit of 
a coronary vessel to be trapped in the heart muscle. And so if you're a gardener, if any of us have ever used, all of us have used a garden hose and we want to, if we want to stop the flow, we just pinch it. And if you pinch your garden hose too many times, it's not going to, it's going to lose its pliability and it's not going to open as readily. And so that's what happens with coronary vessels over time is that, so with every heartbeat, since I was made in utero, my, those vessels were getting compressed and Stanford university has done a ton of research on this, um, on myocardial bridging. And they've discovered that usually by midlife, those vessels start to lose their pliability and they don't open as easily and it can cause cardiac um, symptoms. It can cause ischemia. It can cause a heart attack and it can cause sudden death because once that artery gives out, it can just constrict the blood flow. Right. And so that's what was happening with me. And so it went from, you know, opening so, so, with no problem. Just a second, like, or just a thought. So, yeah, sure. so I kind of want people to understand this because I think this is, is, a, is an important, interesting point. So even though you were, were, were born with it, okay, um, it, didn't, it doesn't really present as a problem because of everything that you just said. It took years and years and years for this anomaly to to kind of cause the problem it was causing. I'll give an example in my world, in the spinal world, right? You could have a curvature in the Mm -hmm. spine, not feel it for a long time, right? I mean, a lot of the kids, if for example, I take care of like a scoliosis, a lot of times the kiddos aren't, they don't have major back pain yet, right? They're just, they they don't even, sometimes Mm -hmm. they don't even know they have it. And then what, but we know that what could, what it can lead to, right? So that's where we intervene and we say, Hey, let's try to remove this, reduce this. Let's try to help you get this thing straight. Not before it becomes a big problem. So because one of the things I don't want to do on this show, and I know you don't either, like we, we don't want to cause stress, right? You know what I mean? Everybody's yeah, listening exactly. going, oh, is that me? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we like to raise awareness so people can be aware, add it to the the list of, of things to consider. But this isn't so everybody, so everybody is freaking <laughs> out. But, 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 but it is, it does remind us that things can show up and, and it can be for you know, things that have been there your, your, your whole life, which is to me then is really just an amazing, it just speaks to the amazing kind of just capacity of the human body and the divine design of the body that allowed you to have 42 pretty healthy years, right. With the heart doing its thing, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. But then of course, uh, you know, this, this happens. And, and now do they ever say boots, was it good I'm just curious, uh, there is a research on this. Was it good that you were as active and healthy as you were? Did that help you do better, you know, that you did challenge yourself? Or would, or would the argument be that, that that actually made it worse, it accelerated? I'm just curious. Uh, great question. Yeah. We asked, my husband and I asked the same question and didn't get a satisfactory answer. Okay. I don't think they really know. Sure. Because we did travel to Stanford. So to um, to... I ultimately I fired that first cardiologist okay, yeah. and I, I want to tell your audience, I tell this on my podcast, we have the right to hire and fire mm-hmm. our healthcare team. Yes, sir. Yes, and mm-hmm. I asked, 
I asked that guy who, by the way, had worked at Stanford prior to coming to my area to be a cardiologist. He knew better. Mm. He knew about myocardial bridging. I had all the classic symptoms of a myocardial bridge becoming a pathological problem. And I asked him for a referral to Stanford and he told me no. So I referred myself. <laughs> you can do that, my friends, listeners, right? You can. Yeah, yeah. it's it's your. Yeah. A- amen. OK. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. Now, so, was your husband supportive? I mean, was he all, all in with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was just ter- terrified. Mm. So, I mean, so this was in the, in the like in the height of covid. Right. right? When like when, before we know a lot of what we know now. Sure. And so I had so I referred myself to Stanford. They had they had to um, shut down. There, so it was. It was considered a voluntary like um, surgery because, okay. oh, yeah. like, my life wasn't in imminent danger, but I sure did feel like it. Um, I I went from being like I climbed Idaho's tallest peak <laughs> right around the same time I had I went to the ER for the mountain bike ride, and I was like one of the fastest. Mm. I was like night's fastest on Strava ever. Like I was so fit. And so I went from being able to do that within three months. I could not even stand in my kitchen to do dishes. Are you like, and I know we'll maybe get to this, but if you, do you remember just in that time boots, are you like, so I'm 45 right now and I'm, you know, I'm a, a chiropractor, so I'm, I'm just doing my thing and I feel, you know, I feel like I still feel invincible sometimes, you know, right? Yep. Like, are you, oh, yeah. are you like, are you freaking out? Are you like, what oh, the yes. heck? Are you depressed? Are you oh, like, yes. my life is over I'm, or where are you at with it mentally yes. at that point? Do you remember? <laughs> yes. All, says, of the, yeah. all the above. D, all the above. <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I, you know, it was, it was so fascinating. I'd been working with an amazing therapist since 2014. Um, and I, and what was crazy was I went to go see her because I had no coping skills for when my best friend was killed. And I really think that, um, that just working with her during that time set me up to be as, if as skillful as I was given the circumstances, but I had to keep her on speed dial because I really, I, I could tell my time was almost up. It, it, any heart patient will tell you when your heart is not getting adequate blood flow and oxygen, it, it really, I, I would go to bed and hope I would wake Mm, up the next mm, morning mm, mm. and here it's COVID. Sure. Yeah. Right. Stanford was booked way out because they had had to shut, they had to shut down their whole heart operation for a while because of COVID. And so, and then, so I waited four months to fly to Stanford for this life-saving operation because they, they looked at my scans from locally and they said, wow, you really need surgery. This is more than likely causing all your symptoms. I get there and they cancel my surgery the ICU had filled up with COVID patients and they made me come back home. And by then my husband's pushing me through the airport in a wheelchair. Um, So here's the crazy part. (laughs) I found my surgeon on Facebook. (laughs) 
So it's not just for selling. It's not just for selling your couch and seeing your old classmates. You can find no. your cardiologist on Facebook too. <laughs> okay. So I had found here's here's how I knew I needed to go to Stanford. And when my doctor, when my local doctor just said it was all in my head, yeah. and I just you know was a crazy lady. He didn't say it like that, but right. that's how I felt after talking to him. Um, I got on Facebook and typed in my congenital defects and found a support group for myocardial bridging. And um, that's how I knew that Stanford was the number one place in the world for research and, uh, and the surgery. It's called unroofing, which is when they go, they do open heart surgery. They cut into your heart muscle and free the arteries and so when my husband and I were on our way back to the airport after getting shut down with the surgery, um, I got on Facebook and saw a woman had just had surgery down in Utah and I'm just five, five hours North. And I called that office. And by the time we landed back home, that office had already gotten all my records from Stanford and had scheduled my surgery for three weeks later. Wow. So, you can't make this stuff yeah, up. So, no, no. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not a big social media guy, but when it helps save a life, I can get into it, right? So yeah, were you, right? were you, so, because I think this is fascinating just medically for in my world. So that's the procedure is they say they cut kind of imagining just, I'm just trying to imagine like almost like a straw going through your muscle tissue. So then they kind of carefully cut that open, get that artery on the outside of the heart, outside of the muscle now. And, and that's, I don't want to say yep. that's it. Obviously that's a big deal, but like, that that's the basically the corrective procedure. And then at that point it's free and it can kind of be more functional or do they have to do more than that? But is there any other, um, or how does that, well, how does that work? It, it depends on how severe the endothelial dysfunction is. And so that's quite the medical term. So endothelial, so our, our vessels are lined with endothelial cells and my vessels had been squeezed for, like I said, at that time, right. almost 43 years. And so it takes a while for the vessels to heal and Stanford has found, and I, and I can, I agree based on all the other myocardial bridge patients I've had the privilege of meeting. Um, it takes about three years for mm -hmm. your vessels to heal on their own. Just, just the design of God. I mean, they just re reheal or yep. heal and I'm assuming they have yep. everything they need they, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Exactly. Amazing. Exactly. Uh, still amazing. And, yeah. Yeah. And I just passed three years okay. and I, and my vessels, like I said, were really compressed. It, mm. I had a lot of bridging and one of my vessels could not fully be one of the part of the LCX on the back could not fully be unroofed mm. because it was too, it's considered hypoplastic, meaning it's too, it's undersized. And so it was too dangerous. Mm. And so, um, so part of it is still trapped in the heart muscle. Um, but you know, I, I did, I didn't experience an incredible amount of improvement, but I'm, I'm not the same. Like you did I, or you I'm, didn't feel a bunch of, I did. Okay. I, I did. Yes. And I, I, the first 24 hours, even when I was in the ICU and then when I walked, I walked from the ICU up to the step down unit, the PCU, I walked, which is just so amazing, 24 hours post-open heart surgery. Yeah. But I, I could not believe the dramatic mm. benefits of the surgery. And I, that's when I knew I was out of time. And my surgeon told me, he said I was out of time. Mm. Like the, the vessels were just so collapsed. And, 
it is an absolute miracle that I survived. So like, I, yeah, it, I think about it every day. Wow. Okay. So I think any of us that I would imagine have, would have gone through some of what you've gone through. And it makes me think about your, your Ted talk here, you know, practicing mm-hmm. dying for living, mm-hmm. um, at, you know, by no means a comparison. I had a massive um, car accident when I was 21 years old. I thought I was going to die. Like I didn't have my seatbelt on. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is how I die. Right. And then I didn't die. Wow. And that changed my life. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, your face mm-hmm. in your case, mine was just an instant off the road. All of a sudden think I'm going to die. You know, you lived months of this not second heartbeat to heartbeat almost right Mm -hmm. not knowing you know is you know or i can't even imagine like and then all (laughs) all the things that you you already know just we think about life like i don't want to fight with my husband because maybe that will raise my heart rate i don't want to you know go on a heavy walk dishes yeah what (laughs) right or if i go to sleep or that somebody scares me or i watch a yeah i don't know so so living with that i mean i'm sure you have to have all these conversations with yourself like deep questions, right? Life and the meaning of it and, 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 and afterlife and all this stuff. Like, so was all that part of this journey? I mean, it's, it's an amazing story. We could stop the show now and say, wow, that's amazing. Right. And (laughs) praise God. And you're alive. And people got to learn about, you know, myocardial, Mm -hmm. myocardial bridging today and and (laughs) put that in their story. (laughs) But, um, so what's, tell us, I don't want to say the rest of the story, but what has been that journey? Why, what, what did you learn? What can we learn? Because hopefully, you know, hopefully nobody listening to this ever has to go through what you went through. Um, but I don't think that's the story here. In part, it is for you. That was your journey. But what can we learn from what you went through as a, as a, as people? <laughs> no pressure. You know, no I'm pressure. not a very emotional person, but I almost want to cry. Just yeah. like when you reflect it back to me like that, it's, um, yeah, I um I cry like once a year. <laughs> well, here you go. Get it over with this year. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just yeah, cuz you I don't I just am so focused on moving forward and living and living my most meaningful life mm-hmm. um that I I appreciate this moment of like getting an opportunity to reflect with you. It just I really appreciate it. Um I <laughs> I, I would not want anyone to take away my heart surgery Mm. and it was the greatest experience I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Wow. And the reason is, and I've had really neat experiences. Um, you know, I'm married. So obviously my wedding day, graduating from college, graduate school, TEDx talk, right? Like all these amazing things. And, um, and the amount of powder I've skied over the years, (laughs) um, you know, it's like, and oh my gosh, I love mountain biking. I mean like all this amazing joy, Um, but what I have come to realize, Dr. Rawl, through all of this, through hitting my head, um, and then, you know, the heart surgery, and then I recently broke my leg, um, skiing powder, um, is that the, these harder parts, these juicy bits that get us to like really dig down. And that's when we really find out, um, how absolutely astonishing life is Mm. and how precious it is and how miraculous it is. And 
everyone like I, so I just recently six weeks ago broke my leg and everyone was just so upset for me and like, Oh, you've been through so much and blah, blah, blah. And I said, Hey, I know how to heal. My body knows what to do. I'm good. I mean, I mean, it would have been better to break it in April, you know, at the end of ski season, but just saying, but, but you know, if there's any consolation, we're having kind of a crummy ski year. This was the year. (laughs) So anyway, but I, you know, it's, I've just realized that like, I'm really, I've had the opportunity to so hone my perspective on what truly matters Mm. And that's why I did my TEDx talk because I, the five minutes before my open heart surgery, I didn't know which way it was going to go. Like I had to sign a piece of paper acknowledging I could die. And then he left me alone, my surgeon. And I had like enough time to like really think about that. Mm. And I had already sat for at least four months waiting for open heart surgery. And so I had done a lot of journaling and a lot of thinking about, you know, regrets. Mm. I'd had conversations I needed to have. Um, Mm. I, and I just got to a really good place with it all. And I knew that no matter which direction it went, I was going to be fine. Mm. I was going to be more than fine. Mm. (sighs) Yeah. It really like the, the things we get upset about in society. Like when I turn on the news and I watch the theater, Mm. that is news. Mm. I'm like, wow, that's what everyone chose to get upset about today. Mm. Okay. Like we just, it just is, doesn't matter. And if mm. you zoom out to like outer space and look down on earth, we are all such tiny specks zooming <laughs> through the universe and people are getting upset about their to-do lists. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's, um. yeah. I mean, I think, and this is, you know, not that, other, and this is, and I wrestle with this boots, this idea, you know, of raising, raising kids, or I look at my own life, not going through your journey, but it's like, man, I don't think that we can really learn some of the things we need to learn or have the perspectives that we really need to have. It's hard to get them without going through stuff. I just, I just haven't seen yeah. it really be the other way. Now, like you said, we, and maybe we just have to reformat our, our perspective, you know, which is what you are able to help us do here through your story, which is, you know, maybe we can't, maybe we can't experience everything you've experienced, but I think we can use it as a wake up call. As we, as we sit here right now, Boots taping this today, I have a patient who's they're, 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 they're literally pulling the plug on their son who's dying of cancer. And they oh, kept him on, you know, a machine so everybody could get there and, and, and so they could, you know, kiss him and love him. And, and, and before, they, you know, they make that decision that none of us have to make. And, you know, the mom and dad having to be there, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, unnatural in a sense to, you know, have to, you know, die before our children. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. but but I but, you know, she was, you know, sending me some messages this morning, just asking me to, you know, be thinking about him and praying for them. And and so to your point, and again, at the risk of just you know, just it's a heavy topic here, but, but I assure you, um, today they're not thinking about, <clears throat> you know, the grass or I don't even know, right. Something ridiculous, yeah. right. That they're mad about the traffic mm-hmm. today or something like that. So mm-hmm. now you, of course, being able to almost have a, uh, be faced with your mortality and then come through it with this a victory, um, that you, that, you know, this, 
you know, surgery went well and it sounds like you're skiing again because you broke your leg. So clearly you've gotten back mm-hmm. to, back to living is, I don't want to say, is there some tips because that would be a, maybe a radical oversimplification, but when you do a talk like practicing dying before living and people can go on there and, and they can look you up and they can see your TEDx talk, but tell us, what does that mean? What is practicing dying for living mean to you? And what are some maybe principles or some reflections you would ask us to have? Mm-hmm. Well, practicing dying means that we acknowledge that we're not here forever, that we are very temporary. Like we are such a blip in time. And it, for me, what it did for me was I, I got, I do it and I do it on a daily basis in the morning, journal every morning I meditate and then I journal and is that new? I, is that new since that, or was that something you practiced before? Um, I did a little before, but it's way more pronounced yeah, now yeah, since okay. heart surgery. Um, and just as a side note, with with my heart surgery, with my heart just being literally stopped for an hour and a half because mm, I got yeah. put on the heart lung machine, and I was just open, wide open, and my, the surgeon touched my heart and everything. Mm. It just changes you on a soul level. Mm. And I've really been turned into a barometer. <laughs> mm. And I can sit down in the morning, and it is just amazing how much sharper my intuition is now. So you mean um, it's very, so- like, very, like, like, realistically speaking, like, you are a different, yes. like, you tune into yes. things differently than you did before, and you attribute it that, that yes. to that, the, the, something many of us will never experience which is our chest being cut open and another human touching our heart. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's yeah. just a wild experience. Yeah. So I say that as an aside, because it is related to what I, what I want to share now, which is, so when I sit in, down in the morning and I, and I, you know, journal, I also am processing my life and reconnecting with my values and reconnecting with my soul and my higher self and like what it wants you know, being most connected to like my best self, my mm-hmm. higher self mm-hmm. rather than my ego. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so practicing dying for me is just constantly keeping myself in check with my moral compass mm-hmm. so that I am living out my true purpose of what I have, what I have been brought here to do yeah. rather than getting wrapped up in the story of other people's judgments of mm, society yeah. of whatever. Right. So it is where I get in touch with my voice, my inner knowing and keeps me on track for, for my higher calling. Can I ask you a question about that? So <laughs> being in this, uh, this, uh, rare category, you never thought you would be in. Um, is it hard see if I can say this the right way. And maybe you have some, some wisdom on this. Is it hard sometimes, like you said, I can watch the news and go, well, that's what everybody's, you know, freaking out about today. Um, and it will change tomorrow and we'll just fall for what we're supposed to freak out about today, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but so do you, is it hard or is this where journaling and meditating come in for you? Here's how I feel I would be about it. Unfortunately, I would be like, y'all are stupid. <laughs> okay. Like, like you, you don't, you're missing it. Right. I'd be, I'd probably walk yeah. around like all cynical, like you guys, you're missing it. Like wake up. Okay. Like you, you, you know, you're, you know, but, but I don't think that's probably the way to do it. But do you ever get like frustrated with just 
you know, the, the, the whining and the complaining and the grumbling and the, you know, whatever, or have you, have you transcended that? Or I don't know what the right word is, or how do you navigate that? Yeah, I don't sure, know. I'm an omniscient there being. you go. Well, yeah, that's why we're having you on here. Going to bless us with all this eternal wisdom. So. Last I checked, I am very human. Okay, good to know. All right. I can't see you. We're just on phone, yeah. so I don't know who you I don't know who I'm talking to. So there's a reason why I still go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, you know, I've done a lot of EMDR, which I really recommend. That's a special kind of um, therapy. It's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Mm-hmm. That was that has been so necessary to incorporate all the parts of self that were like, what the heck is going on? Because my inner child was so terrified, mm. understandably. And then I, you know, I also am on a medication. I really, I really look forward to the day in our society where taking a mental health medication is just as celebrated as taking chemo for cancer. Mm. It is, it has been how I have stayed functional. And my, so my mom also died. Uh, she died seven weeks, no, sorry, nine weeks after my open heart surgery. Oh, geez. And I'm an only child and oh. she lived in South Carolina by herself. And so, you know, it's, and it was still COVID and, mm. You know, the world's on fire. Anyway, it was like you pick you pick the fear and the awful thing and it was happening and and I I needed some help. And so I and then I needed two more surgeries because mm. my body rejected the sternal wires mm. and I had to have those out. And then my breastbone didn't heal correctly. So then I needed to have a titanium plate put in. Wow. Um you know, so it's yeah. just been one thing after another. And so I I needed some help. And I just want to give everyone permission, like, don't go running to your, you know, doctor today right. and be like, oh, I want Prozac. Right, right, like, right. do it, take it because you need it. But like, it's, it's how I am doing. I mean, it's one of the tools on how I'm doing so well. But it's also I meditate in the morning. I journal I do I I call it doing the next right thing Mm. and so the next right thing for me is listening to what my body and soul are telling me Mm. which is see my therapist every other week go to coffee with a friend Mm. get exercise like do all the things that are taking care of my well-being both all like mind body and soul so do you feel, yeah, and you know, for our listeners, right, and I think this is, this is important, right? I mean, we talk about a wide variety of topics, and we talk about holistic approaches, and everybody shares their, their journey or story, and I think even what you're saying there, like there's a, there's a, a time and a place for, for surgeries. Obviously, you had one, right? There's a time and yep. a place for um, medications, and nobody, well, nobody that I know wants to live lifelong on medications. I think I don't run into those people very often. Um, if they are, they're probably not listening to a show like this, but you know, we, we ultimately, uh-huh. we don't want to, like you said, I, or I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, we're not saying 
you're not saying, right? Like we just run to the doctor. I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning um, and she's a doctor, but she's just going through a tough season. And she's like, well, how do you know that balance? Like, like, how do you know when, (laughs) when to go, when not to go kind of a thing. Right. And I said, I said, I don't know if I can answer that for you. Right. Like, I know you, you want me to give you some perfect answer, but I can't answer that for you. You knew all the stuff you knew when, like you said, with your training, you knew what a heart attack was, you know, symptoms were. And, and so we're all going to, we're all going to do that on our own. If a person feels like uh, the season and, and they need certain types of help, whatever help means for them. Now, I would say ultimately that decision is be, is 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 yours to make, not somebody else's. Not guilt, not shame, not and and that's on both ends. Meaning whether you choose to do it or not to do it, whatever that that is for a person. You know, we're a big we're big believers in medical freedom. I'm I'm a big believer in medical freedom. I should say right that ultimately you yep, can choose. Yep. Like you said, fire your doctor if they're not aligned with your values. If you want a more holistic minded one, if you want one that you're just gonna you know, turn your brain off and hand over to them. I mean, I wouldn't do that, but if that's what you're looking for, there's plenty of them out there too. So, um, I guess maybe as, as we kind of wind, wind down boots, I just want to maybe, maybe, maybe ask you, I just want to give you, give you last word. And it's hard to sum up a, a life experience like this, but you made, you made a statement there, like, you know, uh, you know, things I need to do, right. Get having coffee with my, with my friends or, you know, and you're, you know, living in a beautiful part of the world. So mountain biking or, or skiing. Um, I feel like, and you maybe can say this better than I'm gonna, but I feel like we live in this time where so many people are not living a life of who they are designed to be. Right. I believe every person mm-hmm. is a, is, has a divine purpose. And I believe that's unique for each person. I don't know what it is. I'm trying to, you know, I'm just trying to do mine. Right. Um, what do you, so, so because of that, and again, I think what we're all saying here, and it's why your podcast is, is so great, you know, the, the heart chamber. And so people can go on and listen to you, but, but, you know, like finding that out for you, cause I think there's no, yes, you had a congenital situation. Yes. But yeah. there's a lot of people that I think metaphorically or literally are shutting down their life, their heart, their experience, because they are living such a just pressured life, trying to be something else, something else that they're, they're just not trying to conform, trying to measure up, trying something like that. Maybe you were never like that in your life, but how would you, what do you, would you want to say kind of to our, our listeners as we're, as we're leaving, just some encouragement and you've given us much of that today, but just any wisdom or thoughts on that? <laughs> so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, how, how dare we not live our best life? Mm. I mean, we we deserve to experience joy. We deserve to experience meaning and purpose and laughter and sadness and, you know, all the things that make us human Mm. and, and grief, because that means we loved. Right. Mm. And I, I think about, I, I just kind of got like this vision of robots (laughs) in a way Mm. when you were, when you were talking and it's, and I, and I can see it in people's faces when they're just kind of going through the motions and what, what a waste, what a loss for all of us. If someone isn't like living their true purpose and meaning and what they're designed to do here on earth. Yeah. Cause I truly believe Dr. Rawl that all of us have come here to shine our light Mm. 
and to do something amazing. Mm. And when we don't have the audacity to do something amazing, everyone else around us loses out. Mm. Mm. Am I remembering it, uh, Boots, right? You probably know the quote, and I'm going to beat it up so bad some listeners will yell at me when I try to do this. (laughs) But you know the one where it's, I want to say it's Margaret Mead, but I don't think it is. But it's the one that basically says what we're really most of us we act like we're afraid of is like, oh, I can't, you know, be anything great or something like that. But the the real problem is, is we're afraid of how, how powerful we can be or how bright we can be or some version of that. Right. And I oh, really, yeah. I really beat that one up. But I think what you just said there, because a lot of times we can feel like, um, Oh, right. It's like you said earlier, like I think in working with some of your therapy, like, like what we're not, what we're not talking about here is ego and pride that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about purpose. We're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, um, one of my children is really good at music. And so we talk about that sometimes, right? Like that gift and what a gift that can be to other people. Cause I, I'm not musical. So when I hear him play, I, it makes me, it makes, it makes me smile, right? It it brings joy to me. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's your giftings, uh, or anybody, again, everybody has them. And so you know, the scripture makes me think, right? Don't hide your light under a bushel, right? That, that, that scripture, right? Yep. Like let it shine. I love that one. Not yep. just for, not just selfishly, right? Like, oh, hey, look at me. No, because it blesses other people. Okay. And right. then it encourages them or it, it, whatever the scenario is and the gifts that you have, makes them smile, makes them laugh, makes them cry. I don't know. And so, you know, that would be my encouragement. You know, Boots, you could have just um, gone on with your life and right. The story could be like, wow, crazy surgery. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Um, but something happened in you that you felt like you needed to share this with people, right? The transformation that you went through, um, what's been revealed to you, what you've learned through this process. And, you know, it's led to what you're, you know, part in part what you're doing today. And for that, I'm on the receiving end and now my listeners are on the receiving end of, of you living out your purpose, right? And you mm-hmm. sharing things with us that we would not be able to know or, th- or understand or think about without you doing that. And so for that we are grateful. Is there a best way for people to follow you boots? Of course you have your podcast. I don't know if you're on social or is there any other things that you mm-hmm. do or talk about that you want to let our listeners know before we let you get back to, uh, I'd say skiing, but you're probably not skiing today, but uh, <laughs> looking at the snow. Back to growing bone. Yeah. I'm back growing to growing bone. bone. That's fine. There you go. <laughs> um, and, and just real quickly, yeah. thank goodness you have the audacity to do what you do, right? Sure. Like, you're also, you're also living out your purpose and shining your light. So I just want to reflect that back to you, sir. Yeah, thank you. But yes, to, to find me, I'm on everywhere you get your podcast, okay. the Heart Chamber Podcast. Um, and then I have a website, theheartchamberpodcast.com. Okay. And then I'm building another website at the moment. So let's just put that on, on ice. Okay. But you can find me on Instagram, boots.nighton. And I also just love getting emails okay. from listeners, um, boots at theheartchamberpodcast.com. And I'm always looking to highlight heart patients and their stories on the heart chamber. Boots, is it, I, don't, I should have asked you this. Is, there, is, is that a nickname for you? Or where does Boots come from? No, it's it's my legal middle name. Oh, okay. So it's your middle um, name. I, yeah. 
Yes. And my first name is Suzanne. Right. And I got so tired of people calling me Susan all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm my middle name boots. I'm named after a, a wonderful lady who lived to 96 years old. Mm. And it was such an honor to have her. It's such an honor to have her name. But what's hilarious is she was nicknamed boots after her grandfather, who was nicknamed after an actual pair of boots he wore all the time oh my goodness so i am sort of named after footwear just several generations back (laughs) (laughs) there's probably some deep metaphor meaning in that i can't think of any of it right now but we'll leave that for our (laughs) listeners to just reflect on and it's they can send you an email and say hey i this is what it it spoke to me about so i'm just kidding oh i'd love to hear from your (laughs) listeners yeah i Uh, i absolutely love getting uh messages from folks well, Boots, thank you so much for your willingness to share your story. And uh, for our listeners, when we first, and I think you've experienced it through the show, when we were having our little pre-show and we were talking like right away when uh, Boots answered the phone and, and she just literally, she was like laughing as she answered the phone. And I thought to myself, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, that unfortunately is rare, right? This is the day oh. that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. We never know when it's our last day for all mm-hmm. sorts of different reasons. And so don't waste this day. Get after it. Press in. Laugh, cry, smile, hug, kiss, take a nap, go on a walk. Just live, right? Live for the purposes that God has designed. So thank you for reminding us that today, Boots. Best of best just best of everything for you and your husband as you guys are out there enjoying the beautiful country and uh, we'll stay in touch talk soon take care god bless thanks ben (laughs) thanks for listening to design to heal always remember that the greatest doctor lives inside of you and god gave you what you need to be healthy and well connect with dr ben at drbenrall.com or achievewellness.clinic and please share this podcast with someone who needs to hear it and follow us on instagram at design to heal podcast